Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's T with the UFOs want to tell you something. This week, we're going to talk to Katie Grabowski of the Colorado MUFON. For those of you who didn't know, I live in Colorado. A lot of UFO sightings here. And what we're going to discuss this week is UFOs and paranormal, some of her own experiences, the work of Dr. Leo Sprinkle, and many other things. I want to tell you guys to check her book out, Letters of Love and Light, on Amazon. I'm going to link it on my Facebook. And if you guys have any experiences, feel free to reach out and contact Kate. Go to her website, check out her stuff at katiegrabowski.com. It's going to be a fun one. Very nice lady, I'm glad she came to talk with me, and she's welcome to at any point. Alright guys, let's get it. thought I'd ask first, how did you get started with MUFON? Um, can you tell some of my listeners what would be a couple pluses to starting with MUFON? Uh, yeah, um, so I'll give away my age here, but years ago when I was a little girl, um, <laughs> I had some very unusual things. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Skinwalker Ranch out in Utah. Yeah. Okay, so I spent some time on a ranch here in Colorado that's very similar to Skinwalker. As a matter of fact, it kind of predates the Skinwalker Ranch um, by almost a decade and a half. Um, And both my older sister and I um, experienced some things out there at this ranch. It's in Elbert County, Colorado. Um, And um, at, at the time, I never knew anybody knew anything about it or that it was ever investigated or anything because we were threatened and were never to talk about it. Um, but those those memories were always in the back of my mind. So, you know, I kind of I've always had paranormal things happen to me in my life. Um, and so I kind of started out in the realm of, um, you know, ghost hunting and paranormal and going to the Stanley Hotel and uh, St. Augustine Lighthouse in Florida and whatnot. And I started watching a lot of documentaries and things and started asking those questions about all the weird cattle mutilations and the craft and the helicopters and burns on the ground and really high strangeness kind of stuff. I witnessed disappearing electrical boxes um, that would make these humming sounds, just a lot of very unusual high strangeness. They kind of call it high strangeness activity. And I started remembering those things and I learned about MUFON. And so I thought, well, with my graphic design degree, I'll join MUFON and I can maybe help others sketch out like encounters or craft or whatever never really have done that but um it wasn't until 2013 a year later so i joined MUFON in 2012 a year later i buy a book not knowing anything about the skinwalker ranch because it wasn't really popular at the time i just knew it was about a ranch that had strange activity and i get to the chapter other hot spots and they start talking about our ranch in colorado and that's the first time i learned about dr leo sprinkle and um, peter van arsdale and john Arsdale were all out there. They're all PhDs. They were all out there investigating the property. And that's the first time I ever knew that anybody even knew anything about the property. So I spent a decade really just digging all the information I could, contacting witnesses, doing interviews, newspaper articles, you name it, trying to figure out what the heck was happening out there on that property. That's really interesting. Um, Was there a lot of UFO activity? Well, there was, and what's fascinating to me about it was, um, so I flew out to Florida, there was um, an undersheriff at the time, Bill Wall was his name, and uh, he uh, actually witnessed like these huge balls of light just come off his property and fly up, and as a matter of fact, both George Yarnell, who was the sheriff of Elbert County at the time, and Bill Wall would be up in uh, planes, airplanes all the time trying to figure out, because at the time there were all these black 
mysterious helicopters that were flying around and like they were menacing people and coming on and off properties. They were sometimes seen around the mutilations. So there was some questions like, were, was the Air Force or military out there mutilating cattle? And, and if so, why? Um, so, um, but yeah, Bill Wall, sher the sheriff saw these craft and there were reports once I learned um, the, the property that the ranch sat on sat vacant for like eight years before our family purchased it. And um, what's interesting is there were reports of all these like big, huge orbs flying on and off that property for years um, why it sat vacant. So I don't know, you know, um, one of the witnesses I interviewed, Sheila, she talked about a close encounter sighting of a craft that was landed on the ground and she saw she thought she saw like a ramp coming out of it and what was cool about that interview she um she wasn't driving she had her learner's permit and that's why she remembered it so well because her and her friends were coming back from 4-H it was nighttime they she said it looked like the sun sitting on the ground so they're thinking is this a helicopter landed there or what you know the mom pulls off to the side of the road and they witness this craft just sitting on the ground with this um she said a ramp that came out and her mom was so terrified and frightened that that's how she remembers it so well a because of the incident but b she had to drive home because her mom was hysterical you know and she has her friends in the back of the car she just has a learner's permit it's dark they just witnessed this craft they called the sheriffs right away sheriffs went out there to investigate of course didn't see anything thing took off but um yeah so a lot of these i i have a list of over 250 people now that have experienced either mutilations or craft or unusual activity out on this property so it's just been a pandora's box you know one thing after another after another now in regards to the mutilations would you say they're more ufo related or government related or a combination of the two I think probably 80% of it could be explained away. I think there's a good 20% that are left that are like really high strangeness and uh, really mysterious. One, uh, again, um, Sheila, right after high school, she was married and they moved to Rama. Rama is out there, you know, flatland. It's in the middle of nowhere. They're miles off the county roads. And her husband was out on horseback checking the cows for calves. And he came across a calf that was dead. It had four cuts in a perfect square. The top of the fur was removed, but the skin was still there. So he gets on horse and he goes back and gets Sheila. They get, come back in the pickup truck, took them about 20 minutes to make that trip. By the time they got back to that calf, it was completely mutilated. Organs removed, blood drained, no tracks in the ground, no helicopter sounds, and they were miles off the county road. They felt like they were being watched. It was really eerie. They felt it was evil. Um, and um, that, you know, and what was cool about that, I get a, a message from her on Facebook. She actually found the photographs from that incident. And she showed me a picture of a calf that was attacked by a coyote, you know, and they like tear at the back hind. This was a completely cauterized incision around where that cut was in organs. It's like they, uh, they interrupted a mutilation in progress, you know, when he came up on it. So that one, I can't explain away that there was no military out there. There was no vehicles, no truck marks, no nothing. That's really interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was it your typical mutilation? So like, you know, uh, the missing eyeballs, missing tongue. Yeah, ear. You know, the mouth, ear. Mm -hmm. Tongue. And at the time, they really, really looked into the possibility of like satanic cults, you know. But the thing about that is, I mean, we can rule that out pretty safely. This thing this was happening on such a level. These things were almost happening daily. They were, they were sheep, they were horse, even dog, um, but they were in Montana, Wyoming, Texas, Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado was the hardest hit. So, you know, Christopher O'Brien actually and Chuck Zukowski um, did a lot of research into this cattle needle nation phenomenon. And at the time, I don't know if you've heard of Linda Moulton Howe, um, but she got her start out there in Elbert County during this high mutilation time. So that was all happening. But um, even like with Project Blue Book, what I've come to find out, um, you know, a lot of these UFO sightings back in the day, like around the time of Project Blue Book, they were really interested in nuts and bolts craft, right? What, what were the light configurations? Did it, it 
make a sound? Did it admit anything? What, you know, any, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, but what they didn't ask is the paranormal side of things. And what I'm finding now, it's really interesting to go back and ask um, a lot of witnesses to these older cases you know, about the paranormal phenomenon that goes hand in hand with the nuts and bolts sightings of UFOs. So, because I think they're connected. You know, there's kind of a group of ufologists who say they're not connected. I'm in the camp that say, yes, they are, they are connected because of all the hundreds of interviews I've done and people I've talked to through the years, you can't, I can't help but come to another conclusion that they are connected somehow, you know, the paranormal stuff and the UFO stuff. And that very well could be. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to try to get started up with the Colorado move on here soon, too, probably within a month or so. So oh, cool. I can actually get out there and talk to some people about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, one of my main interests is the abduction experience or the contact experience. I, I, you know, I know everybody doesn't like to call them abductions because it's not always against their will kind of thing. Um, do you have any interesting cases of that? Um, you know, it's people often ask me with all the things that happened out on that ranch if I felt I was ever abducted. And and Dr. Rio did put me under hypnosis for an hour and a half. And it took me about an uh, a week to listen back to that tape because I was like, um, and you know, Travis Walton is a good case. I, I, I believe that something happened to Travis Walton that he was taken. I believe countless other um, witnesses and experiencers that have these um, things happen to them. Something, of, something that goes hand in hand with abduction cases are these people that have, and I actually put a whole chapter in my book about, is it a dream or is it a memory? These very vivid, almost very realistic dreams that people are having of being aboard a craft and whatnot. So to me, it came down to asking myself a few basic questions. And those questions are number one, do you believe that there's life in the universe? I think that's an obvious yes, that there's life out there in the universe. I think that anybody who doesn't acknowledge that there's possible life in the universe is just missing the mark because I mean, it's so vast, right? And then the, and then the big question is, can they travel here first? You know, do they have the technology to get here, whether it be through, you know, a, you know, a wormhole or anti-gravity or however they're traveling here. So if you believe that they can get here, then the next obvious question would be, if they are here, would they take people and abduct them to study them or to do God knows what, to do a hybrid program or something? And to me, if, if the answer is yes to the second question that they, they can get here, then it's an obvious yes that they're probably abducting people also. And the reason I come to that conclusion is because we would do the same thing. You know, I think that we would go to another planet and and study whatever was living there. Exactly. And I've never found a hard connection on that. While some people are extremely skeptical, those are the two things you got to start with. And once you go forward with them, I mean, it's really not that hard to believe. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Debbie Cobble on on the 12th so she can talk about her experience. It, it just it's kind of comes down to common sense, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I also believe through all the research that I've done, and I think people are looking for Occam's Racer. They want simple answers to things. You know, are they good or are they threatening? You know, nothing's that simple. I think the answers that we find are going to be very complex. I mean, we're not one way or the other. We're not all good or all bad. We're a mixture of things. And I think other life out there will be as well. Everybody has their own selfish motivations for doing things. Um, You know, it's hard to predict what a species that, you know, could be tens of thousands of years ahead of ahead of us, what their motives are. And when people in this field start looking for motives for things, that's where you, you kind of get a little like (laughs) I don't know why they're mutilating cattle or I don't know why they're abducting people or I don't know and and you know you start speculating at that point and and I'm kind of a middle of the bridge person I I like the scientific research stuff I like digging through archives and papers and I think that's important and I think MUFON is important because they're science science driven um and they're they're looking to you know 
90% of what the reports that we get, we can kind of explain away, you know, you know, Starlink satellites, birds, bugs, planes, you know, and it's disappointing for some witnesses to get that answer like, oh, sorry, it was, you know, this, that, or the other thing. But at the same time, when you're left with that 10%, it's like the real good, real good cases, you know, so, but it's also important to have an open mind too. Absolutely. That's kind of where I fall on it too. Um, like, for example, coming back to conclusions on things, it's kind of like, how David Jacobs looks at things, he takes a more, I, I don't really know how to phrase that. He, that they're making hybrids to almost take over, I guess would be the term. I don't know if I'm quite phrasing that correctly. But I could look at that and make a pretty good argument that perhaps they're just making hybrids to colonize another planet in an astrobiological sense or you know there's many arguments against people's mm -hmm. conclusions and i think it's you probably shouldn't just jump to it yeah yeah and i've heard many different you know you can come up with all sorts of reasons why a species would want to do that i mean from you know just observing like we're very childlike um to wanting to mix some of our creativity um, that they've lost that ability to to have that individuality because they're more AI type beings, like you know. So I mean, you hear all sorts of different reasons, and like I said, when you when you get into that, it's you know, I, I don't know. I mean, for me, what it's really about is, and I actually was just writing a a paper in in memory of Dr. Rio Sprinkle. We lost him on the fifteenth of this month, and he was a dear friend of mine, and he was a pioneer in the field of talking to experiencers and abductees. And one thing he told me was, you know, because I, I asked him, I'm like, you know, you've spent 40 years of your life um, asking these tough questions and trying to find answers to life's biggest questions. What if you get to the end of your life and you don't find the answers? Do you think it was a waste? And he, he laughed and he said, no, it's never a waste. It's about the people you meet along the way and being there to be sounding boards and for somebody to listen to other people that have these contact experiences. That's what he was to people. And that's kind of, I was like, oh, I want to role model after that. Because to me, that's what it's about, that people have a place to comfortably share these experiences. They have not only in UFOs and abduction and contactees, but in the paranormal world too. Because you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, you were locked up in the loony bin if you had some of these unusual experiences. And I think it's important that people have a place to share these things, you know, and, and mm -hmm. find commonalities like, oh man, you know, it's kind of confirmation or validation to that this stuff is real. It's really happening. See, and I hope that one day somebody will take my research and do something similar because in order, it's not about finding the questions necessarily. I mean, it is, but at the same time, it's more of, like you said, people being able to talk and get it out without mm -hmm. feeling weird. Yeah. Yeah, not being labeled, you know. And, and this type of contact and experience, it can be very traumatic. I know for me, especially when you're a young kid, it's really scary. And that's something that um, Heidi Hollis and I talked about and others are looking into. How can a phenomenon that started out to be such a terrifying experience when you're a kid, you know, you're hiding under the covers, you're checking under your bed and in the closet, you know, encounters with shadow people or things like that. That's really terrifying when you're a kid. And then you go through and as life goes on, it turns into more of a positive experience. And that's what we're seeing kind of across the board, that something that started out negative is turning into something positive. And there's those who think that you have to be really careful and weary of that because it could be trickery, right? Making you believe something that isn't like, you know, here this really nice little kid, come and get it, you know? Or is it just something that raises your consciousness, right? And is here to help because there's that, a lot of people believe that's what we're going through too as a species. We're all being enlightened and woken up and raising our consciousness and all this stuff, you know, so. Personally, I think it could be a combination of both. Um, from some of the literature I've read, uh, a lot of Dr. Carla Turner stuff, and even Bob Mitchell's book, Intrusion, 
I've mentioned that a ton on my podcast. My listeners are probably getting tired of it. <laughs> um, there seems to be some form of altered perception to a certain degree. Uh, I talked about a case of a little girl who's seen a fireball in the sky with her family. The father, they were all camping, and the father and them went to go drive to see what the fireball was. Maybe a plane had crashed. They go up there, and they all kind of black out the back seat. The little girl comes to, and the father is at what she believes to be a diner with lights outside. She sees a bunch of little men, and as she walks up, she realizes... It's not a diner at all, it's a UFO. So it it changed her perception to the point of seeing a diner. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I have a hard time on what to make of that, but I find that in a lot of different cases. Right, the, that it's like screenshot memories or something where a kid will see a rabbit. I've, I've heard of, of that before, a rabbit or well, something that's memories. not so frightening. Yeah, the like shape shift yeah. um, into something like that. Well, I go with the theory of almost altered perception in the sense of, I I don't know how it happens. It could be brain waves. It could be something else. One of the stories I just told from Dr. Carla Turner's book, Taken, the very first story in there by Pat, it was almost, they played on a religious theme with her because she was religious, very extremely religious. And in order to make her more comfortable and at ease, they had a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus appear in her room and say, these are my angels, it's okay to come with me. Hmm. And then an abduction took place, which in that case, I don't even know if I'd call it an abduction because she was willing to go with them, but they still kept playing on a bit of a religious theme with her to make it more susceptible and easy for her and them, from what I could that's really interesting. I mean, you hear that with near-death experiencers as well. Um, you know, people that have near-death experiences and cross over to the other side, it, it, at least from what I've read and heard from others, that it's often what you, what your belief is, what your perceptions are, that kind of carries on past this life over to the next. And I'm wondering, um, so I'll be speaking at the UFO Megacon in um, Las Vegas in March, and I'll be talking about what they call the hitchhiker connection to a lot of this. And it wasn't just so recently that um, um, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, that George Knapp, the new, the new book that just came out, talks about this hitchhiker phenomenon that happens with a lot of these people that are on these high strangeness ranches, which I had happened to me as well. And interestingly enough, they kicked back in when I started investigating the ranch again. It was like, I had all this stuff happen when I was young. Then right out of high school, I was married and had children. So I'm like raising kids, going to work, doing your thing, you're distracted with life. And then it was almost as if when I reconnected back into the phenomenon, like I plugged back in the cord, that stuff started happening again for me. And you know, these this blue basketball sized blue orb that was in the corner of my room, um, George Knapp's wife and um, John Alexander's wife experienced that same blue orb thing. And I had forgotten that I had journaled about it and I'm glad that I did because what happened was my kids were little at the time we had one of those, um, it was a red Lego bucket and it was in my room and the Lego bucket, bucket tipped over and that's what woke me up out of my sleep was that Legos falling over. And I look up and there was that blue orb basketball in the in the corner of my room and I'm like you know nudging my husband get up get up you gotta see this and so we're just standing there sitting there looking at it and it just sort of just imploded it went like this and just disappeared just like that and so we're looking like at the cable box like looking for reflections but as that happened the auto lights from the people behind us started going on and on you know They had like a motion light on the back. So something weird was going on that night. And ever since that night, just um, odd coincidences that are beyond chance, that kind of activity started happening. The shadow figures, you know, out of your peripheral all the time, just really unusual things like that started back up again. And I I think it's, it's a matter of like people who 
tend to be a little more psychic or tuned into things. It's almost like you can, it's almost like turning on and off a switch. You can turn it off and shut it down, or you can tap into it, whatever that energy is that people can tap into. And with the contact phenomena, you find that most people afterwards do in fact have psychic abilities would be the term I'd use for it. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest one to put out there. Um, Yep, that, that's been reported for a long time. As a matter of fact, let's see, where is my book? Um, Dr. Leo Sprinkle wrote a book. Um, here, this, uh, this book right here. It's called Soul Samples. And uh, he took uh, contactees and experiencers and, and did research on them, you know, commonalities and things. And that was one of the things that was evident that most contactees and experiencers go on to actually be hyper aware or psychic or sensitive, um, have different types of abilities, lucid dream, those kind of things. So that was actually studied and found to be true. Yeah, talking with Preston Dennett recently too, I found that to be the same, same connection. Um, that's why I'm trying to get out there and figure some of this stuff out, because I know there's a lot of oddities to the UFO phenomenon, not even just with abductions and contact cases. Yeah. Um, I am looking at things from a very scientific point of view, but I'm open to many. Um, for instance, me and Preston Dennett got talking on the difference between angels, demons, and aliens. Mm -hmm. now, I'm very open to the possibility of all three phenomena. I just don't know if they are connected or how they would be connected, but that's where the research comes in. Right now I'm doing more of a astrobiological examination of things in the sense of their bodies seem to be very, the grays, their bodies seem to be very adapt to space. So I've been actually tearing that apart with what happens to our bodies in space and the issues that face it. Hold on, sorry about that. I should have put this on mute. Oh, you're all right. If you need to answer it, you can. No, it's okay. <laughs> or do you need me to let you go? No, 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 no. Okay, there we go. It's all good. <laughs> sorry. But with me, that, that's of my so so what did you mean about like your astro body in space oh the astrobiological viewpoint oh. of things um i'm taking more of a okay i guess i'll explain it this way i've been doing this kind of research for like 12 years around there and i've jumped from theory to theory to theory i went from extraterrestrial to interdimensional to maybe they're demonic maybe they're robots pretty much every theory I can think of. And I'm kind of right back on the ET8. So what I'm doing is, is I'm saying, okay, this is how they look mainly. So the grays, for instance. And I'm trying to take it apart and say, would that make sense in space? Like, what, what would happen to our bodies in an extended amount of time in space? Yeah. I have a pretty good book by Jordan Hofer called Evolutionary Ecology, where he takes, I believe it was like an Alaskan squid, and then he evolved it over time to, well, come up with something like the grays. So that's, that's kind of what I've been working on little by little. Um, right. Have you um, heard of the work of Michael Masters? Oh, I'm not too familiar. Yeah, you might want to look up his work. And he, he's, he's sort of going down that same path that possibly extraterrestrials are us in the future. And how um, he is an anthropologist and goes through our evolution of species, you know, through thousands of years and how we might end up. And um, it goes much deeper than that. But that's some, something you'll want to check out, you know, how our eyes will shift and our skulls will change and the size of our brains and what's whatnot. I have a, a funny story about, you know, it, what you're going through is very common. 
<laughs> I have to laugh because, you know, depends on what day of the week you catch me on where I am, right? <laughs> Do you believe in all this? Nah, there's nothing in any of this. And then, oh my God, yes, there is. So I, I'm like you, I kind of do this thing but uh, a few years ago we I was in that same boat like are these are, are they evil are they good are they demonic you know are we messing with something because you hear that even you know from the government like there's people that don't even want to touch the subject because they think it's evil right yeah and so I worry about that because I don't want to be on any evil team or anything like that so I at the time I, I used to sell collectible toys antique toys and stuff so I would garage sale for all the old Ninja Turtles and you know all that stuff. And um, I had just gotten off a phone conversation from this really deep discussion that was on a podcast about our ETs, you know, demonic or are they angels or what? And I'm digging through this box of toys and it actually sits here on my desk because it was such a moment. I find this and it's the only one I've ever seen. It's a little ET with golden wings. Oh, that's cool. And it was just like the timing of that. It was like, oh, you want an answer? Here, Katie, here's your answer. We're not demonic. <laughs> so this little golden angel winged little ET sits on my desk to remind me of that moment because it was one of those beyond weird coincidences that I'm just like, whoa, I was just asking. And they're, unless it's trickery, unless they're tricking me. <laughs> but so that's kind of a funny story. Well, Justin Dennick actually came up with pretty good argument about that because i'm gonna have a guy on joe jordan i don't know if you're familiar with him uh, who uh joe jordan no uh, i haven't heard of him e4 group well his basis is that they are demonic and i've got a little bit of a debate about that but i asked preston dennett what he thought because somebody addressed him on facebook about that mm -hmm. and as he pointed out he has a book out with over 300 healing cases from UFO occupants. That's right. Yeah, demons don't really heal people. So, right. I mean. And there are some people who believe that these blue orbs are actually healing orbs, that the blue lights heal, um, and that there's meaning to the different colors of not only orbs, but also different colors when it comes to craft for propulsion. So there may be some connections and meaning to the different colors that we're seeing as well, which would make sense because color is frequency and right. It's all visual um, on the spectrum there. So I don't know. It's really fascinating, but you're right. Um, I wouldn't think anything that was demonic would be healing or positive for people in any kind of way. And it seems like most of the contactees that I talked to, probably upwards of 80% of them feel ultimately it's a positive experience in their life. So I don't think something that could ultimately be seen as a positive experience. And Dr. Leo talks about that too. He calls them the packs or the stages experiencers go through, through their lives with this contact phenomenon. And one of the last phases of it is that you feel really motivated and driven to learn and to share with others. You kind of go through the stage where you're you're learning, whether it's environmental or scientific or whatever your topic may be about saving the planet, you go through this learning stage and then you shift over to the stage where you're sharing with others and you know doing what you're doing, um, connecting and, and creating podcasts and, and things like that. And it's sort of like a drive that contactees get um, to do those kind of things, to do the work. It's kind of, you know, work. And that's what I pointed out in my podcast as well, because usually if somebody has a horrible abduction experience, it's it's right toward the beginning. Um, obviously, seeing a three and a half to four foot tall little gray man with a skinny bug man wearing a cloak is going to be pretty frightening to you. Mm -hmm. But over time, you find that people become more humanitarian. They start helping out more and just for the better. Yeah. And I think it depends on people's perspectives, honestly. Like, I know a Dr. David Jacobs. I respect his work greatly. Mm -hmm. But he does draw some conclusions that it makes some people very mad. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think perspective has a lot to do with it in our own psyche, in our own consciousness to where we are at the time in our lives. 
um, and having these kind of experiences can be, you know, some people even will get PTSD with it. That's why you have to be really careful when talking to abductees and experiencers, because depending on where they are in their journey, you know, it, it's a, it could be a very delicate thing to talk about. That's why MUFON has the experience or research team. They're really trained in that area because it's not something, somebody who's untrained doesn't want to just dive deep and start offering up their opinions and advice because, you know, like I said, it, it, it's a very fragile thing to talk about depending on where the person is in the experience because it can be frightening, oh, absolutely. you know, You're and you can get into some dark places with it too especially if you feel like it's de demonic and you're being possessed by something, you know, then you're really going to get into some dark, dark places and you need to really be careful with that. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just more damaging to the experiencer. Um, if they don't know what to take, you know, to make of that, they have missing mm -hmm. time, screen memories and PTSD flashbacks of little owls and things like that. It's going to freak them out a little bit and they have to go through right. their own kind of journey of it. Right. And I think that's why it's important to ground yourself in, in science and research and facts as well and to take an objective look at it. Like for me personally, where I am now with the high strangest ranch phenomenon, I would say 70% of it could be, I was actually on a plane to Phoenix. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Katie, let's think about this logically. How much of this could be man-made and a great portion of it could have been our military out there doing all sorts of black you know projects you know there was darpa uh and the uh, uh mk ultra mind control and some other you know very secretive projects going on and they would take people from like pueblo state mental hospital and they were doing all these crazy experiments on these people well they don't ever want that to see the light of day because it was wrong you know to take these people and experiment on them so was some of that going on probably you know probably some of it is man-made um and and obviously that may never see the light of day or if it does it'll be decades down the road still even though it was so long ago um but they have to protect their butts you know they meaning military government they were i mean there's from dr leo's um paperwork we know for sure norad and the air force academy they were aware of what was going on out there and they were there um so we had the two a7d crash they uh, two a7ds they came out of buckley and they crashed and in the one document i have it says in pursuit of a ufo so I've got the FOIA request, and it does say that it was a, an instructor and a trainer up there. They, they left Buckley at night. They had um, 255 rounds of live ammunition on board the jets, which I find unusual because they're flying over civilian residents and things with a trainee. I, I just found that kind of unusual. Um, but um, in the, um, the paperwork that I have, it says the... Uh, instructor saw a light that he mistook for a different plane and um, ended up hitting the tail of the uh, trainer trainee and they both went down they both ejected and they both slipped but what was interesting they only mentioned that other light and that other craft one time and it said it was the cause of the crash they never mentioned it again they never identified what the craft was um, anything like that so i found that kind of suspicious and strange um, ultimately, they said it was because the um, student turned off his beacon light instead of turned it on, and so that's why he crashed into it. But in one sentence, it mentioned this other light, this other craft light. So I thought that was unusual, um, but but there's no doubt military, they were out there. So, you know, was it all the military or were they out there trying to figure out what was happening, you know, like with chicken or the egg kind of thing. Yeah. That's always been my question. Were they causing it or were they investigating it? And I think it's a combination of both. You know, I think you're probably right on that because we see that in a yeah. lot of different cases. <laughs> yeah. So that's where that's where my research has taken me. It's a combination of both, but mostly man-made. You know, I think to to really see the phenomenon truly is, you know, it's just luck of the draw, right place, right time, and maybe you'll get lucky and you'll see something you truly can't explain. But I think it's pretty rare. See, that's why I'm. That's why I like the 
evolving theory that I was talking about, where I went from extraterrestrial to interdimensional. I think it's important for people to go from here to here to here to here to here. Because then you get to see every different perspective. Yeah. See where you wind up. Um, I mean, the interdimensional thing is important and it's interesting. Uh, and then you get into the whole realm of the Bigfoot and the Sasquatch. Now out there on the ranch, we had the Sasquatches reported out there. And Elbert County isn't like a, pardon the term, squatchy. It's not like in the Rocky Mountains. It's not a real squatchy area. So um, back in the day, the Sasquatch that were seen seemed to be connected to the craft. And there are the reports of these Bigfoot connected to craft. Um, you know, so it's interesting kind of, I, I got to go to, have you heard of the Meadows, it's the South Skinwalker Ranch? Um, it's a, an undisclosed location. So I signed a non-disclosure and I got to go out with um, the team out to this place in the South to investigate just this last month. And um, there were some Bigfooters there. Um, Grumpy Bob from Hunting Bigfoot was there and I got to know him a little bit, but I didn't, I'm not really in the Bigfoot world. So I didn't know a lot about that, but I guess it's just as big as the UFO world. Um, I, I did learn they don't share their research very often with each other, <laughs> they're kind of territorial like Bigfoot, which was kind of funny. I'm like, oh, we all need to start sharing stuff because that's how we're going to get answers, right? By sharing everything. But um, he was a great guy. And, but to talk about, um, just, you know, to bring that world in with this world and the paranormal, all of them need to converge. So, you know, by going here and here and here, you're on the right path because eventually I think they do all in, they, they intertwine somehow, they're all connected somehow. We just need to figure out how that is, you know. I agree with that. Yeah. You mentioned that you kind of got out of the field. Am I right to say that for a little bit? What did I do? Um, you kind of got out of the field of ufology for a little bit, like you didn't. Yeah, a little bit. Um, interesting question. Uh, did you have anything that drew you back or tried to right away, for example, like a dream or anything like that? Yes, uh, I actually talked to Travis Walton about this because um, he He's like, boy, I wish this never would have happened to me. It's just, you know, it's kind of ruined his life. His whole life's been about that. He tried to get away from it for a while. And something just draws you back into it. Um, and for me, I guess, you know, if I try to walk away from it, I get pulled back in it. And I guess for me, it's more the questions that I don't have answered yet. Or if, let's say, I, I take a break away from ufology and I go look into the paranormal world again or the Bigfoot world or whatever unexplained phenomenon there is, you know, the, the shadow figures or, or whatever, it kind of always leads me back. Those, the same questions keep coming up for me over and over again, so I find myself back here again, you know. Well, the reason so. I ask is, so back in, I think, 2018, I'd have to review my papers. Um, I was going to school to be an auto tech, and I always have been just nonstop with my UFO research. My grades were pretty good, but I wanted to focus a little more on them. So what I did was I decided, okay, I'm going to stop listening to my podcast. I'm going to just focus on school a little bit. The next thing I know, I just start having these crazy UFO dreams. Hmm. And one in particular, hence the name, the UFOs want to tell you something. <clears throat> I wake up in the middle of the night to, now I believe this was my subconscious kind of telling me not to quit, but I wanted to see what you thought because I wake up in the middle of the night to everything being black and white. I run outside. There's a woman there who says, did you see the UFOs? The UFOs want to tell you something. And then a UFO bobbing like this shoots off. The next thing I know, I'm standing in front of mountains, and there's three balls of light shoot off as well. I mean, that's a dream. It was weird, but I wanted to see if I'm not the only one who's kind of been drawn back in from maybe a subconscious. Yeah, no, I hear that all the time, actually. Like I said, there's a whole chapter in my book about dreams, um, kind of same thing. The UFOs want to tell you something or there's messages in them or there's predictions of future events. Like 
um, create cognitive events that will happen in connection to dreams. Um, and then I don't know if lucid dream now, but that lucid dreaming where you start interacting, um, people will be downloaded sometimes with um, instructions or scientific things. <laughs> I'm gonna share this with you. Um, that kind of how I was having this repetitive dream for months and months and I couldn't to the point where I finally like, okay, Steve, you need to build this for me, but it was an aluminum plate. It had spiral on it and I needed nine crystals in, in this spiral and then wrapped in the aluminum wire. And then I was supposed to put it in water. So I, I've had those repetitive dreams as well. It sounds kind of crazy, I know, but I'm like, maybe I'm building a machine. I don't know what, what it is, but I kept hearing quasi-crystal, quasi-crystal, quasi-crystal. Um, I didn't know what that was at the time, um, but I, I've learned since what it is. It's, it's a, you find it in meteorites. They, they only found one sample of it in a river in Russia, actually, of a, a a true quasi-crystal. Now, there's quasi-crystals like uh, Teflon pans, nonstick pans have man-made quasi in there, but a true um, nature quasi-crystal has only been found once. There's a great book about it. Um, it's called uh, a, second, a Second Kind of Matter is what it's called. It's a really interesting book. But yeah, that, that was a dream that kept kind of pulling me back in. Like, what does this mean? What, you know, what, what does this mean? So yes, um, I, I think that's very common that things will come to you in memories. And what's also really fascinating, I can't remember who was it. Um, I just read, read something recently that said it's actually very uncommon for people to, for like people with mental illness and stuff, schizophrenics and that, to actually have UFO related or alien type um, hallucinations. Mm -hmm. um, it's very uncommon for mental illness to have those type of things. So I thought that was like, A, good to know, but it's, it is very unusual. That is um, true. For that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm currently working on a presentation on the astrobiological stuff. What what do you think about that? Going in the right direction, kind of. I, I think like like I said, I think that that's probably has I don't think all extraterrestrial beings or life out there are connected directly to us. Um, is that what you're talking about? Like are we evolving? Um, um, so what I'm doing is I'm kind of just, so I go off of the panspermia theory. Okay. As well as all of the exoplanets out there and the building blocks of life being found throughout the universe. Now, I believe that they could evolve differently on different planets, mm -hmm. but the same basic effect may take place in space. So I take a look at our bodies and see what kind of effects happen to us. And maybe that we evolve on a macroevolutionary level to kind of hard to explain. Yeah, like yeah. why are we all bipedal? You know, we're all standing up on two legs, which is very rare, right? Um, but almost all the extraterrestrials that, you know, are um, discussed all are standing up on two legs and look very similar to us. So yeah, I think you're, you know, on the right path. Um, well, even with, so people say sometimes these entities lack any sort or any form of emotion. I know that's not in every case, but in the a vast majority, they mm -hmm. do say that. But when you look at that on a human level, we go through a lot of psychological issues. Now, it could just be that they evolved that way or genetic mutilation or manipulation of themselves, rather, to kind of weed that out. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was a good theory to explain at least that portion. But then you go into, we have bone density loss in space, muscle degeneration. I mean, that's just a couple of good examples. Right. Your eyes become the main sensory function. So... When I look at that, that looks a lot like an alien when they, you know, adapt to space, for example. So it looks That's like, true. yeah, it looks like a creature that has adapted to space. Mm -hmm. That's true. Um, 
when I went to Dr. Leo Sprinkles to get the stuff on the ranch, there were some sketches drawn that had been in there for decades that I'd never seen before. And um, they're, they're the originals and they were really strange looking, like nothing I've ever seen before, not in movies or books or anywhere. So I kind of kept it in my back pocket and didn't share it with anybody. And, and he had, um, I don't know if I can find my book here. Um, but anyway, it had like little wrinkles, wrinkles around his mouth, these big tubes that came out, um, big eyes, bigger eyes than ours, but not the huge wraparound eyes. But these tubes were really weird and it had this like box like um, body almost mechanical and these long spindly arms right and so it almost looked like a mixture of AI and humanoid combined together and uh, a couple years later we had a guest speaker for Colorado MUFON come in I was sitting in the third row just watching this gentleman named Sean Bartok he wrote a book called Flashbacks about a property he had in Castle Rock Colorado and up <laughs> he puts up pictures of these beings that they saw and they have the tubes, the same eyes, the same wrinkles, the same everything. I was just like dumbfounded. I could not believe what I was looking at. And it turns out the two properties were 14 miles apart. We didn't know of each other. They, the coincidences are just insane with these two beings, but they do look like a hybrid of AI and human type beings. So I don't know, in, in the reports, it also said there were two types of beings seen out there on the property, a very um, like Nordic type humanoid, the blonde blue eyed Nordics, and then these mechanical types. I think the mechanical ones were connected to these humming sounds in the boxes. And it said in the report that they were in conflict with one another and that we were just in the way. Like, you know, you guys mind your own business, stay out of our way. And they were doing whatever it is they were doing there. I don't have any idea. I don't know. I never witnessed those beings. The, the, the adults on the property saw these beings and interacted with them, claimed to interact with them. That's a very fascinating correlation. Yeah. So it definitely gives just me some telling more. you what was reported. <laughs> yeah, that gives me some more thought to think on as well. Because where I can... I can take some of those things and, you know, evolve them or right. show how yeah, they evolve them. Here's another thought. You know, all these reports of these UFOs shutting down our nukes, right? A lot of people want to believe, oh, they care about us. They, they're going to protect us if we go to have a nuclear war. I don't think that's true. I, <laughs> I think they maybe care about the planet. I don't think they care about us. I think that we're a pretty mean species, actually. I don't really think they care about us. I don't think they're helping us in any way, but they're not hurting us either. They're just sort of like letting us be, it seems like, to me anyway. I mean, otherwise, maybe, you know, they would show themselves or, or intervene, but either they're not allowed to intervene or they don't want to intervene <laughs> or we're not ready to, we're not ready yet. Like maybe they're like, these guys still have to grow up a lot before we're going to introduce ourselves. And I've got I don't know. Thought. Um, I actually mentioned that in my last podcast where I said we're not exactly, to put it nicely, we're not exactly nice people. No, we're really not. We're not even nice to one another. Why would no. we be? Very warlike. <laughs> I mean, there's certain little things like that that come up where I, I don't know, because I know that they do give people warnings and things like that during in a, a contact experience like an abduction for example right. or even the Rua Zimbabwe case yeah they do give you these visions at times or even pull up a screen and show you catastrophes yeah like if you don't get your crap together this is what's going to happen to your planet and a lot of it is and even in Dr. Leo's work a lot of contactees even back then in the 60s and 70s talked about you know we need to take care of this planet you know so and become, and he talks about all of us becoming what they call cosmic citizens, you know, where we not only take care of the planet, but take care of each other and everything like that. And I don't know, I, sometimes I feel optimistic, like we're moving in that direction, but then you turn on the news and you're like, womp, 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 and it kind of goes back. We're like, oh no, what's happening? It doesn't look like we're moving in that direction. So yeah, coronavirus <laughs> you know, I don't know. brought that forward with me too. When I found out people were like hoarding toilet paper, for example, that kind of baby yeah. shake my head and go, oh my God. Oh no. 
No. We should be ripping off the squares. Here you go. Here's your little square. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's there's so many things about this phenomena. Like I said, what I like to tell my listeners is I may even have my own opinion about things because I don't agree with some people out there. I think it's good for them just to get out there, maybe join a group like MUFON, KUFO, something like that, do their own research, and come to their own conclusions. Exactly. That's what I tell everybody. Like, honestly, you know, you you can't... It's great to read books. As you can see, I have a lot of books, and they go way back, way over here. I love books, but it's also good. I, I'm kind of one of those, I'll read the first few chapters, read the last chapter, skim through the rest, because I don't want to be biased, and I don't... I want to find out for myself. It's really good to get away from the computer, step outside, go interview people face to face, um, go out there and try and experience some of these things for yourself. Even if it's doing a ghost hunt or marching in the woods looking for Bigfoot, even if you don't find anything, you're always going to learn. And you always have to trust your own instinct and your own guts and find that question or that thing that that um, keeps you interested and in, in dive deep into that and go do the research and go to the archives and get out there and look for the documents and look for the answers and then make your own conclusions. Don't, don't listen to somebody else and what they believe. You need to find out for yourself because you're right. Everybody has an opinion on it. And if anybody tells you they have the answers, they don't. Nobody has the answers. So you can listen respectfully to what everybody has done. And I, I try to do that to the best of my ability. I respect everybody's work. At the same time, I'll just take, you know, take what you need from it and then and then move on, <laughs> you know, kind of deal. That's how I do it too as well. Yeah, like yeah. Said, and that's what you should be doing. I'm finally at a point where I can actually, because I've always wanted to join MUFON since I started doing this research. I just never had the time or opportunity, and I finally have that now. So that's why yeah. I kind of wanted to get out there and start doing it. Right. Well, I'll tell you, MUFON needs a lot of younger people, um, <laughs> you know, because it's really true. They're like, why is there so many older people? And it's because nobody, when they're young, has the time. You know, you're working, you're providing, you're raising a family, you're doing your life. And you don't have really time to delve deep into, you know, the big questions of the universe. <laughs> but there's more and more young people. I think the more this is on the news and the Navy speaking out and things, I think there's more interest in the topic and, and, and younger people are actually getting inquisitive and getting involved in it, which is really exciting to see, you know. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's super simple now that I actually have the time where I can actually take one of my buddies and say, hey, let's go camping in the San Luis Valley. Yeah, go. have you done that before? I have not, but I've, you know, that sticks in my head because I thought about doing that recently. I know that's a hot spot. So I was like, you know, yeah. I kind of want to see I, if I can go out there and see anything. There was just a, a film crew out there at the UFO Watchtower and I received a message in Messenger that they were driving away from San Luis Valley and he witnessed um, a green orb shoot, fly off. Um, and he's like, it wasn't a drone. It wasn't a plane. You know, this is kind of a more skeptical person. So he like right away, I have no idea what I saw. So I need to look into that sighting for him. But um, that's something, yeah, I think MUFON, we're going to try to arrange. Um, we have a gal who actually does like um, sort of experiences like that. And I told her we wanted to do something like that, call her out of MUFON to get out there and go to UFO Watchtower in San Luis Valley and do a sky watch, you know up there so that would be a good idea yeah you know try it. we'll do the call and calling them in thing <laughs> what is it the C, C, c5 protocols <laughs> for free <laughs> we won't charge you for <laughs> no i don't know i know there's you know people believe you can do that some do some don't i don't know you know give it a shot why not yeah i was about to say just got tested that's all. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, Katie, I really appreciate you coming on with me. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's always great to talk about my favorite subject. So, yeah, and it's polite. just one big rabbit hole. You jump into it and you'll probably never get out of it. But it's good that it sounds like you're on the right track and you have a very level head 
And I would just say to any of your listeners out there, just keep a level head, talk openly about things. You know, if you find yourself getting in trouble or you're feeling, you know, reach out and talk to other people about it. You know, if you do have contact, the, you know, or experiences and we have the ERT team and we have very qualified people there to help people through that. Um, that's not my specialty per se, more of a researcher type person, but, but yeah, it's a fascinating topic. I can't think of any other question that's more important than the ones that you're asking, the questions that you're asking and the answers that you're trying to find, you know, and your listeners too. I mean, if, if your listeners weren't listening to this, they wouldn't have the questions. So I think it's awesome that people are interested in this topic, you know? So do I. And yeah, I, I think it's best to try to show them. I, I often do this where remain skeptical, but open-minded at the same time. Right. So don't Perfect. take this and then write it off. Um, <laughs> yeah it's kind of like you just said put it in your back pocket yeah hold on to it and see if there's anything comes about i know bud hopkins was pretty famous for doing that as well right because you know what's going to end up happening you get validation like for me like that blue bat and that's why i didn't talk about that for years that blue basketball size orb thing i was like people are going to think i'm crazy but then all of a sudden i have other people that are coming out talking about this phenomenon that's happened to them too and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, not alone anymore. You've seen this too. You've seen that too. Now, what is it? Like, I know for a hundred, because, you know, the paranormal, a lot of the orbs you see in photographs, yes, it's dust. Like if I did this and I took a picture, orbs everywhere. Oh my God, there's orbs all over my room, you know, and insects flying around. So I do have that skeptical mind where no, it's just an insect. It's just dust. But then when you're staring at this thing hovering in your room in the corner, okay, wait a minute that's not dust and that's not an insect and that's not what the hell is that you know so that's that's the one good thing about coming out and talking about it and doing shows and podcasts and I was really hesitant for a lot of years to do that because you're putting yourself out there and you're opening yourself up to ridicule right but at the same time people are like oh my gosh and they and you, you learn from other people you know so it's a whole other side of things that I'm really starting to embrace. Oh, me too. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, sure. How can people get a hold of you, Katie? Um, I have a website. It's just my name, katiegrabowski.com. So it's K-A-T-I-E-G-R-I-B as in boy, O-S-K-I, katiegrabowski.com. And you can contact me there. So. And you have a book on Amazon, right? I do. And there's a link to the book on my website as well. It's Letters of Love and Light to Dr. Leah Sprinkle. That was a labor of love really dedicated to his work over 40 years, almost 50 years of his work. So when I went to get all the um, information on the ranch, I started reading all the letters that people wrote to him. And I started taking pictures and like pulling out the juicy parts. And that actually came to me in a dream. Talk about dreams. I, the title of the book came to me in a dream. Letters of Love and Light. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I thought if I find them interesting, other people will too. But yeah, we lost a, a pioneer and such a wonderful person, you know. So, like, at, right before, like I said, when I, right before I came on this podcast, I was writing a, a, a big in memory of Leo Sprinkle. So, I'll be publishing that soon in memory of him. Oh, so, but we're going to continue his work through people like you, you know, you're going to continue the, the search. So I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate it too, Katie. <laughs> uh, that's what needs to happen. Yeah. I, I respect the fact that you're doing this. Ah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for having me on and have a good rest of your week. All right. Bye, Katie. Okay. All right. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's T with the UFOs want to tell you something. So, if you want to reach out to me, it's theufos at yahoo.com. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, probably any platform you listen on. If you'd like to come on the podcast, let me know. Just shoot me a message. Also, I'm looking for a co-host. So if you'd like to reach out to me about that, come on, let me know. 
We'll see what we can do. All right, guys, keep kicking it. Here we are at the end. And for those who don't know, Dr. Leo Strinkle passed away on November 15th, 2021. He did amazing research in the field of ufology, especially with those of the contact experience. And from what Katie said, he seems to have had no regrets. And let that be solace for you. He's a great man and his research will live on through people like Katie and you guys. I didn't know Dr. Leo Sprinkle personally. I wish I had the chance to meet him. But he has paved the way for many people. So I want you all to go out there, check out his work, and try to carry the torch as well. May he rest in peace, and I wanted to say thank you for all of the research you put out there, Dr. Leo Sprinkle. You are an inspiration to us all. <laughs>